reminded of the things that will help us to glorify you. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, I wanted to close with that verse Sunday. And, uh, and then I was going to add another verse, which is in James chapter 3. And he says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. You see, no one is perfect. So uh, anyway, before we get to James chapter 3, I want to, did we have the slides? Okay. I just want to start with, with uh, an introduction. That's slide number one. Well, must have missed it. Must not have got it. Okay, that's all right. The introduction to James. James is, uh, the approach of James is practical rather than theoretical. So what does practical mean? Does anybody know what practical means? You can directly apply it. Huh? You can directly apply it. Yeah. yeah. It's something that you can, you can use. It's useful. It is? What am I doing wrong here? Okay. All right. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. Okay. I can't see that from here. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> oh, okay. we need a bigger TV back there. So practical, the, the practical aspects is something involved in real situations and events, something we can use. We like, I don't know about, I, I think everybody here likes practical preaching, right? I mean, what, what good is it going to do to come and listen if we can't use it? So Liberty Bible Commentary says the book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I've got William McDonald there, but that's not right. Um, no, William, yeah, William McDonald is right. I, had, I did change that this afternoon. I had James McDonald up there, whoever that is. But just, he says, just like an old-fashioned doctor examined patients' tongue to assist in diagnosis, so James tests a person's spiritual health by his or her conversation. Self-diagnosis begins with sins of speech. James would agree with wit, the modern wit who said, watch your tongue. It's a wet place where it's easy to slip. And I thought that was, that was a pretty good quote. Sometimes when we hear a passage of scripture, we might often think that this is what someone else needs, but not me. I don't need to listen to this, but he or she does. So, since some of you are sitting together, nudge the other person and say, you need this, you know. So, or maybe if you're sitting all by yourself, then you can think of somebody, that, somebody else that needs it. But, of course, you don't need it, right? I mean, I don't need it. So... Anyway, uh, we, we are or should be reminded often that words matter. 
Did I skip that? I got, evidently I got a slide mixed up. Words matter. Words matter what you say, how you say it, and how you meant to say it. Have you ever been in that situation? You, you want to say something so bad, you want people to understand, and it comes out all wrong. So words matter. And we must remember that back in the days when James wrote this letter, all they had was the spoken words or written words. You see, nowadays, we have to apply this to nowadays because we have text, we have Facebook, we have email, and whatever other social media you're on. And it depends on what you say because it goes out to the whole world. And sometimes people put on there, of course, I haven't been on Facebook for almost two years. So uh, anyway, I don't know what's going on out there. But I know that if I was still on there, I had a hard time not writing what I really felt like writing. And that would not be edifying to my testimony or anyone else. And so... We have to be really careful. We have to understand that words matter. So where, where people, so any social media where people say whatever they want to with no concern how others might react, whether replies or hurt feelings. Now, uh, did I have that? Math, there we go. Matthew twelve thirty four through 37 says, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be judged, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, he was talking to the Pharisees here, and the, the people who thought that they were really religious. But he was talking about these words. Warren Worsby says, the, word, the phrase, idle word, means words that accomplish nothing. How many times during the day do we go around saying things that really... Don't, don't amount to anything. They're not going <laughs> to count right, anything. They're not going to be useful for anything, and they're, they're certainly not going to help us grow any at all or be a good testimony, good or bad. So, if God is going to judge small talk, how much more will he judge our deliberate words? It is by our conversations at unguarded moments that we reveal our true character. I got a couple more slides and then we'll get into the passage. Luke 12, 1 through 3 says, Beware of hypocrisy. 
In the meantime, when an innumerable amount, multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetop. You understand what he's saying here? For whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed on the housetop. Why? Why should we be concerned about things like that? Help me out here. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> because nothing can really be hidden. Jesus referred to his own teachings, but the principle applies to other areas of life. The twelve might be tempted to cover or compromise the truth, so neither the crowds nor the Pharisees would be offended. God's truth is, the like, is like light, not leaven, and it must not be hidden. The lies of the hypocrite will one day be revealed. So why go on pretending? Let your light shine. I got a couple quotes here. And you know, the odd thing is I, I was watching, uh, I don't watch a whole lot of news anymore, but I do watch some. And I was watching Jesse Waters last night on Fox News, and somebody, somebody wrote in on a text and had this quote right here from Abraham Lincoln. Now, did I put that up there right? Yeah. In my notes, I had, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> but Abraham Lincoln once said, it is better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. And then an anonymous author said, even a fish wouldn't get in trouble if he kept his mouth shut. I thought Dwinette would like that. Even a fish wouldn't get in trouble if he kept his mouth shut. All right, let's, let's go into James chapter 3. How much time do I have on Wednesday night? Yeah. Well, I might be done before that. Of course, I... I said that. <laughs> what I want to do, what I want to do is I want to read, I want, let's take parts. I want to read this whole chapter. So if someone will read the first five verses, and then someone will read it from, from uh, five, uh, six to ten, or let's say six to eleven, and then someone finish out. How's that? So who wants to take the, you want the first five?
Someone wants 6 through 11? John? Go ahead, Jeff. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Thank you very much. So he starts out, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. What? You've been, how, how many of you have been in churches other than this one? Have you, ever, have you ever known somebody that just comes in from, not been here very long, it says, I, I think I have the gift of teaching. And I want to be a Sunday school teacher. Or I want to be a, I want to be a, uh, I want to preach from the pulpit. I want to teach uh, the Bible. Have you, have you ever had anybody do that? You did that? You did. <laughs> Why is there a warning? Why is James giving a warning that not many should be teachers? Why do you think? A stricter judgment, yes. You know, handling the word of God, uh, and I have to, I have to admit. Uh, now, I've been saved for since 1973. I guess that's 49 years. And. Uh, when I first got saved, I, I sat under systematic teaching. We, we did verse by verse. It, it, was, it was just mainly Bible study. We sat at a, our, the church that we were going to had, had a, a just tables. We just sat around and we studied the Bible that way. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, this is, this is kind of neat how, how that you can just start at a book and, and go through and then I thought, how do they know so much? You know, how do they, and not realizing, not realizing that the person who was leading the Bible study 
had better be prepared for what he's doing because if he, if he isn't, it's going to show. And uh, one time after a few years, after about three years, I was asked to, to lead one of the Bible studies. And, uh, and I, I just made a mess out of it. I had no idea what I was doing. I had really had no idea how to prepare. I had a strong concordance. I had, I had the Vine's Word Dictionary. And I, and I was doing, doing what I thought was, was good. But, but nobody got anything out of what I was saying. And <laughs> now I put myself on the spot because sometimes I don't feel like anybody gets out of what I'm saying anyway. But remember, we all stumble <laughs> in many things. <laughs> all right? So let me read what, what I've got here from Warren Worsby. He says, apparently everybody in the assembly wanted to teach and be a spiritual leader. Now, isn't that, I mean, we, want, we want to be a good testimony to people. And, and it's nice that we want to lead people to Christ. And we want to be able to disciple them because that's what we're called to do. But there's sometimes you have people that just want to be up front. And I was accused of that at, a, at the very first church that we went to um, because I wanted to teach Sunday school. And, uh, and I felt like I, I had a really, really... Uh, what I want to say, a draw. I mean, I had something I just, I couldn't let it go. I wanted to do this. And, uh, and I had one of the leaders of the church tell me that all you want to do is be in the limelight. Well, here, you know, I'm a guitar player. I'm, I try to sing. I try to write songs. And, and you know, I, I grew up in a family who was entertainer. Uh, my mom was an entertainer. And so you kind of, you kind of have that, but yet that wasn't the reason. And so I was being judged because I had a heart that really wanted to teach. And they kind of just said, no, all you want to do is be in the limelight. And so I, and I fought for that for, for a long time. And then finally they gave in. And, uh, but Anyway, that, that's just something that a, note that, a note that is here is that some just want to be a spiritual leader. For James had to warn them, perhaps they were impressed with the authority of a teacher and the prestige of the office. Now, in the Jews, he, he, wrote, the, he wrote the book to the Jews, and, uh, but we have the practical aspects of an application form too and so for the jews you know the the pharisees man they wanted to be out there and and be really seen you know they had the they had the garment and and they had you know they walk around all holy and pious and and uh, i guess that's the same word isn't it <laughs> but anyway um they wanted to be seen of others and yet they were hypocrites So, uh, Warren Worsby says, perhaps they were impressed with the authority and prestige of the office and forgot about the tremendous responsibility of accountability. And that when you teach the Word of God, 
It's a heavy responsibility, and you are accountable for what you teach. Teachers face a stricter judgment. Teachers must use their tongue to share God's truth, and it's easy to commit sins of the tongue. Anybody disagree with that? Furthermore, teachers must practice what they teach. Otherwise, we call that what? Hypocrisy. Think of the damage that can be done by a teacher who is unprepared or whose life is not up to par. So you're teaching something that you're not even living yourself. That doesn't look good, does it? So in verse 2, well, oh, I got another slide here. I'm sorry. See, I still get nervous. I don't. People say, why are you nervous? You've been doing this for a long time. I get nervous because it's the word of God. And if I don't teach it right and accurate, you know, as we just read, you know, we face a stricter judgment. So here's what the word, here's what uh, the tongue can do. The tongue has the potential to condemn. For we all stumble in many things. Verses, verses uh, three to two to five. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, right off the bat, right off the bat, he says, if you don't stumble in word, why is that? Why do you think that is? Huh? Well, yeah, we all. <laughs> but why is that the first thing, Tom? Yeah. So he says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now, we all want to be better than what we are, right? Man or woman, uh, you know. We want to be better than what we are. But if you don't stumble in word, you're a he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. And look also at the ships. Although they were so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. And see how great a forest a little fire kindles. So we have, a, our, our tongue is prone to condemn. Our prone, tongue is prone to control. Now, have you ever had somebody that, that just wants to control your life? When I, was a, when I was a teen, I could not wait to get out on my own. I joined the Navy. And then I wished I was back home. <laughs> Because back in them days, boot camp wasn't all that easy, even though it was easier than the Marines or the Army. But, but it wasn't all that easy. And, uh, you know, when you're just a punk little kid, 
just barely, just barely able to grow peach fuzz. And uh, you're out there, and, you, and you're going you're gonna to conquer the world for your own. And uh, it, it just doesn't work that way. You get yourself in trouble. But people want to control each other. And, uh, and so we have to be really, really careful what we teach. We don't want to... We don't want to preach the word and teach the word to control other people. We want the Lord to be able that they can yield to the Lord and have the Holy Spirit help them with their life to control their life. All we're here to do is share that with people and hope that they grasp that and and let the Lord work in their hearts. But the tongue is prone to condemn and to control. Now, verses 5 through 8, the tongue is also a contaminant. It's able to contaminate. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiled the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. The tongue can contaminate. Any thoughts? You know, in the in the Bible, it, it's really a concern that we say the right things, and we try. But sometimes we say things that will really hurt somebody. Verse eight says, "But no man can tame the tongue, for it is an unruly." evil and full of deadly poison you know and when i when i was preparing this and and it's it's not a new thing that that we've gone over um but but it is something that we have to be reminded of because gossip is one thing that really tears things apart Not only for another person, but for yourself. Because when you gossip to another person, you're showing your character that you think you're a little bit better than that other person. And we're not. We're we're not any any on a higher level than anybody else. And so we have to be real careful. I I was going to teach through a book uh, before I got COVID. Uh, in Sunday school called The Respectable Sins. And it has to do with the sins that we we might not go out and, and party anymore with and drink and, and, uh, and I never did do drugs, but some people did. But, but we might not do those things anymore. We might not go out and, and uh, look for girls or girls look for guys. We might not do those things. Why? Because... We know those are those are wrong, but yet we kind of harbor in in our own self 
that, well, I'm not doing that, and we kind of look down on other people that are doing that, and we say, you know, we forget. We have our own things like self-righteousness, our own respectable sins. We have our our self-righteousness that sometimes pops up. We have our gluttony that sometimes pops up, which is really not a big thing anymore, you know. It used to be where people would harbor. There was never a skinny Baptist preacher when I was growing up, never, because Baptists always had the potlucks, and they they were always going out to dinner with somebody. And, and, I mean, when I was growing up, I I never saw a skinny Baptist preacher. And so, but we never think of gluttony as as a sin, do we? But it is. So those are respectable sins that that we, you know, whatever we think we're better than someone else. But number four is that the tongue is prone to contradict. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men. Who have been made into the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. I worked with a guy a few years, well, several years ago. He'd retired a long time ago. But he was a deacon of a church. And he had one of the filthiest mouths that you could never tell he was a deacon of a church. And I told him one time, I said, you know, and, and they, they called me the preacher around there. And, and so I, I asked him one time, I said, how can you talk like this when you're a deacon of a church? He said, oh, I just, I just get mad. I, the Lord knows I don't mean it. No, the Lord don't mean, don't know you don't mean it. It's not coming, it's not becoming of what a a Christian ought to be or a deacon of a church. But he says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? No. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And I put here, Psalm 141, verse 3. You know what it says? Anybody know what Psalm 141 says? It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Why do we do that? So we don't sin against Him. When our speech is not wholesome, we can really make a mess of things. And and sometimes we do without really realizing it. But it's something that we should keep a guard on. Tom, you got something? You get, that, I, re, I remember him saying that, yes. 
Yep. Put a guard at my mouth and keep the door of my lips that I might not sin against you. Yep. So as we, as we look at these verses, I'm going to get ready to close here. As we look at these verses, let's try to keep in mind words matter. Words condemn, words control, words contaminate, and words contradict. Let's try not to do these things. And uh, the more we try not to do them, we get better at not doing them. Uh, but we, we will all stumble because he says if you don't stumble in word, you're a perfect person. And you all know, all we got to do is look in the mirror and we're not perfect. So let's, uh, let's try to be watchful with our tongue. Let's be using our tongue to uplift other people. And mostly, most of all, praise the Lord so that he don't have to be ashamed of us. Okay? All right. Vince?